You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is 30 Minutes of Socks for fans, by fans. And a little bit later on here in the show, you're going to hear us from Cork and Carrie at the park, the official sponsors of Socks in the Basement. Uh, a good time pregame over there for opening day. Uh, there is an issue that I'm having with this team already, though. So before we get to the, that fun and those festivities, uh, this bullpen is going to give me heartburn all year, aren't they? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean... Preseason, while we're going through spring training, and and we know that there's question marks up and down the bullpen. There's guys that are maybe going to make it, maybe not. We don't know who's going to be where because of Liam Hendricks. I went through it. I compared them to all all sorts of other contenders. And the one thing when when I was trying to to prove Pakoda wrong on the mismatched Sox blog was every single time out, I looked at the bullpen and went, I just can't give the White Sox a higher grade than most of these other teams in their bullpen because we just don't know what they are. We don't know how effective they're going to be. And frankly, we don't know if it's going to be something where that's what's going to cause you to throw a half full beer at your TV or if it's going to be something entirely different. But I I suspect it's going to continue to be the bullpen. Here's, Here's my problem. My problem is just looking at the first couple of days. I see... A starting pitching staff, especially the the first three guys that took the mound between Cease and Lynn and Giolito with, you know, I mean, Dylan Cease, amazing first game, right? 0.316 whip, walks and hits per innings pitch during that game. Lance Lynn, 1.235. Lucas Giolito, 1.2. They're going six innings, five and two thirds and five innings, though. And I know it's early in the year, but... And I'm going to sound like an old school person saying, why don't these guys pitch longer? But we need them to pitch longer because we don't have a bullpen. If we have to rely for the sixth inning, the seventh inning, the eighth inning and the ninth inning to be handled every night with this group, we're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to see the White Sox have leads disappear well before they get to the to the closer by committee. Because you have guys like Kendall Graveman who habitually, with the exception of a very small sample size, when people started to think of him as maybe a closer or back-end guy, have always had more than a, a player and a half on base every inning. You, you have Jose Ruiz, with the exception of one bright moment in one season with the White Sox over many, where he is the same kind of guy, puts too many guys on base. Joe Kelly put too many guys on base last year. And, and I'm looking at the, you look at what the starters did in the first couple of games, and then you see Graveman, three guys per inning, putting them on over the one and two thirds that he did. Jose Ruiz goes one and two thirds, and he gives up, he puts several men on base. Uh, Joe Kelly putting guys on base. They're not keeping guys off the base paths. And it, Jake Diekman, what, what was he? <laughs> he, he? He comes in and just gives up a run. That, that, and, and we talked about that. But you're, you're spending money on these guys, and this is where you shine the spotlight on team construction. And you you ask, what was Rick Hahn thinking 
going out, making the moves that he made, bringing in the bullpen that he had, when in reality, most bullpen arms, unless you have a superstar like a Liam Hendricks, or you 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 develop somebody who over several years shows that this is just what they do and they're always good, most bullpen arms are up and down. And, you, you know, don't spend all your money on your pen. Don't make all your trades for your pen, because when they come out and they do this, how much flexibility do you really have? Look, Tanner Banks will be here sooner rather than later over Diekman because this bullpen just does not make me feel good right now early on. And they didn't make me feel good for most of last year either. And there's the other part of the problem, right? For all the improvements that the Sox made, and I know there's a lot of talk about, okay, well, Jose Abreu subtracted from the lineup. Andrew Benintendi doesn't really replace him. Is Oscar Colas going to be better than blah, 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 blah. You know, we, we, we've gone through all of that. The biggest problem is, is that we knew we had a good starting rotation going into this year, and Clevenger will see how he stabilizes the back end. It's largely the same bullpen, minus Liam Hendricks for now, as what we had last year. You're just swapping in a guy like, say, Santos over Matt Foster at this point. So the, the minor changes, but you're still relying on Joe Kelly. You're still relying on Kendall Graveman. You're still relying on Ronaldo Lopez. You're still relying a lot on Aaron Bummer. And you're going to be showing, throwing Jose Ruiz and Jake Diekman into it too. That, that was how they ended the year last year, and it wasn't good enough. And now we're starting the year with it, and it's proving to maybe not be good enough. And if, unless the Sox are going to start absolutely decimating teams, Okay, and, and you're not going to do that with the Houston Astros every single time out. You're just not. It's it's not how it works against contenders. But unless the Sox start just absolutely destroying teams early on to where what happens after the starters get tired doesn't matter, you know, you, we're going to see situations like this where the good news is the Sox are competitive. The good news is, is that they're not rolling over, that they're playing well and they're they're really trying and the starting pitching is going really well. But if the bullpen, it's the only thing that could upend the season. And that's starting. That's where that's where if I'm going to panic early, I'm going to panic about that. As we're sitting here talking, because we know we're going to spend the whole day at opening day, we're actually talking on Sunday afternoon. And Mike Clevenger has pitched five innings and given up only three hits. And the White Sox currently just put another run up while we're talking here. Uh, while you were in the middle of talking, it went from two nothing to three nothing. They're putting runs we'll see, up. There you go. And, but there is this there is this moment there. Is, I'm looking at the score. But I'm looking at the score and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all right, how long can Clevy go for? Because eventually you have to turn over to the pen. And 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 that that's when the Astros and I don't know, this show will be done recording this little moment here before we throw it all out to everything that we did at opening day. How, wh- how many runs can the Astros score when the weak bullpen shows up? Because that's when teams are going to climb back into games. I mean, it really feels like you have a really good starting pitching staff and a team that, while not everybody's clicking perfectly and they've been leaving guys on base, is actually scoring runs. And I was very encouraged on opening night that they came back in that game and the clutch hitting from Andrew Vaughn and and the fact that they they didn't lay down, right? Because that was another problem that they had last year. Like, I'm seeing them not lay down. The, the problem, though, is that you have to score runs early and often because you're not going to hold a team down for nine once they can get to your bullpen, that's what the book on the White Sox is going to be. Early on, at least this year, if you're scouting the Sox, you're sitting there saying, okay, the starting staff is great, and the team is finding a way to put runs up early. But 
We we have to get to that bullpen. Work the count. Get the pitch count up on these guys that are all trying to paint the corners and and have a ton of strikeouts and everything like that. Get them out of the game by the by the end of the sixth inning or before it, and then get to that bullpen before they get to the very end when you could bring in Reynaldo Lopez, who even though he was shaky that first time going out for for a closing spot, I think that was also he was hyped. Everything he was throwing was well over a hundred miles an hour. I mean, he was oh, like, yeah. he, he was just so hyped it was opening night and he was trying to secure the win as a closer in place of Liam Hendricks who's battling cancer like there was he walked off the mound thinking he forgot it was the ninth inning like that's that's how hyped Reynaldo Lopez was I you know I feel like he'll settle in and he'll be fine and when Liam Hendricks comes back hopefully sooner rather than later now you've got another guy at the back end along with 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 Reynaldo Lopez and things look a little bit better but this is going to be the book on the White Sox of if you can be within, you know, uh, have a puncher's chance, be down three runs, you could probably get those three runs in the seventh and eighth innings or the sixth, seventh and eighth innings. And and that's going to be an issue. Remember, there's a there's a stat called a quality start. Starting pitchers need to go six and give up three runs or less for what is considered to be a quality start. It is not something that we see as often as we probably should on this team. Like if somebody asked me today, Ed, would you rather have a pitcher that goes out and goes five and a third or five and two thirds and strikes out eight guys and, and, and holds down the other team and barely lets anybody on, but then I have to go to this bullpen or would I like to have a guy that maybe lets a few balls get into play a little bit more? It uh, doesn't use up as many pitches, especially against the bottom end of the lineup. Like the guys are not very good hitters. Maybe just let them Get put the ball on the play and rely on your defense and get deeper in the games. And even if you give up a run with that, you you get deeper and I don't have to see this whole bullpen. I take player B in that scenario. And and you're hoping as the season progresses here, some of these guys go deeper because the that that bridge to the end is shaky and it and it and it and it rattles in the wind. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where that's where something like you know, you, you know, we're looking Again, we're we're watching in real time on Sunday as Clevenger is going, and, and right now he's got five under his belt. If he can go seven, I don't care if he walks out of that game having given up a couple of runs. The strike, the, you know, the shutout portion of it's nice. I would love to see Dylan Cease go longer. I'd love to see Lance Lynn be able to go longer. I think Lucas Giolito's biggest Achilles heel sometimes is the fact that he does not get deep into games very often. If they can come up with guys. A couple of them. You just probably need two of them out of the five that can consistently get out of the sixth inning and get into the seventh inning. It will help immensely. Well, it's not going to be if, Lynn. It's not going to be Lynn. No. The way that Lynn no, pitches, it, it, he, does, he is not the guy that's going to go deep. If Lynn goes six innings, you're like, all right, that's great. Thank you, big guy. But more often than not, I don't know how often he's going to get there. I mean, I, I don't even remember last year, but I bet you if I go back and I look through his game log, He's got a lot of them where he isn't going the full. That's and that's really the problem. I mean, like, look, but that's but that was also cease. You you have you have such a good starting rotation, but yeah. the value of them goes down a little bit. I know you can look at the numbers on paper and be like, oh my goodness, look how great this rotation is, right? But you know, you do need that guy that goes out there every once in a while and rests the bullpen. You do need that guy every once in a while that goes eight or nine. And I know somebody's going to be like, oh, that's just not the way baseball is played. I don't know. I, 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 there are some superstar pitchers that go deep in the games. There, Shohei Otani goes deep in the games. Shohei Otani goes deep into games. Garrett Cole still goes deep into games. Max Scherzer is nearly 40. He goes deep into games. 
I think the difference between Verlander last year and Cease in terms of the Cy Young is how often Verlander went deeper into games. He just had more innings. You had more value to your team if you were able to go deep in the games. This is not me putting down Dylan Cease, but that's the next step. The next step for Dylan Cease is that. If Lucas Giolito really wants to get paid, figure out how to have good stats and get through the seventh. And you're really going to get paid. That's the difference right there. Right. Well, even Aaron Shavali from, from the Indians... The Guardians, sorry. Old habits die hard, man. But even Aaron Savali, who we called out a couple shows ago as being a guy that's a potential, you know, just this really this potential uh, weak spot for the Guardians rotation, he went out and pitched seven in his in his first start this year. And I think he had like two strikeouts and a couple of walks, gave up a couple of runs. His stat line wasn't all that impressive, but what helped was the seven, th- the seven innings that he gave them because – they do have a good back end of their bullpen, and they didn't have to get into any of the questionable guys because this guy went seven. So, again, you know, as we're sitting here watching a game where we're wondering how deep Clevenger can go, I'm also sitting here looking at the bullpen wondering, I've seen everybody kind of let me down except Bummer and Lopez, and Bummer scares the crud out of oh me. Oh, my he always goodness, will. he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and and so I'm wondering who who's coming into this game and what are we looking at, especially as – the Sox get out of the top of the six, had the bases loaded, and Anderson strikes out, Robert flies out, and Benintendi grounds out to to quell the threat. Think about it. Think about this is going to be Rick Hahn's focus if this team is competitive this year and has a shot at the postseason. He's still going to have to make a move to bring in more arms to find the guy who's hot, who's playing really well at the back end of a rotation because your bullpen still has problem. After all these seasons of like ignoring second base and right field because you wanted to add to your bullpen and it still isn't like something that I'm I'm excited about. We get to the bullpen. That's the most nervous point of any White Sox game for me. Uh, Sox in the basement uh, listeners uh, switch to a new age of life, whether it be mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. Uh, they don't want to be in assisted living. They want to be at home. They want to be independent. Hyatt Home Medical Equipment is there for you. They're going to make it so they can get around on their own and live independently with stair lifts and ramps and grab bars and lift chairs and even bathroom remodeling so they can stay in the house and you're not, you're not worried about them. They're able to still continue continue on longer in life independently in their own home. They're going to work with your insurance and they have 0% financing for qualified individuals. If you use CPAP machines and you're unhappy with your vendor, switch and get supplies directly mailed to you. Plus, you can test it out at their showroom. They also have the latest in continuous glucose monitors. Learn about everything they have because they even have more than that at hhme.com or stop in and see them today at 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. Let's get to opening day. Shall we open it? Home opener, home opener opener. day, home opener day out at Cork and Cary at the park with socks in the basement. Socks in the basement out of Cork and Cary. And we got Herb Lawrence standing over here and and, uh, we're going to, what are you drinking? Uh, Well, it was described by the owner of Cork and Cary at the park here as a hailstorm something. It's one of their stouts. It's the American stout. It's the American stout. It's really good. It's really good. It's on tap here at Cork and Carey, so get out here. They they have an incredible, incredible bar 
Um, it is packed out here for opening day. So many White Sox fans out here at the home of the podcast for fans, by fans, Sox in the basement. Herb Lawrence standing here with us. And Herbie, the atmosphere out here, incredible. What do you think about the vibe out here? That season almost killed me. I'm not talking figuratively, almost literally, because every day covering that team, just annoying as heck. Uh, and now to be on the other side of that in that offseason that was kind of trash too, and look at the White Sox fans. This is why White Sox fans are the best ever because this last year was 81 and 81 in your championship winning season, and now packed cork and carry, packed place for tailgating. Nothing can be better. Like I wanted to be in this atmosphere because I'm not usually an opening day guy. I had to be here because of the team and how they played down in Houston and how White Sox fans support each other and have uh, convivial like meetings when they come together for especially games. You know, it was interesting when I got here, I was talking to the folks here at the Cork and they were telling me that there was such a line coming off the expressway, they had to open the lots early. The plan was still to open them three hours before the game. We were here well before that, and they were filled. Like some of the some of the lots were almost at capacity as we pulled up because they had so many people that just wanted to get down here and be a part of it. And we got rain that's like supposedly coming here, and people just can't wait to get out. That that tells you what White Sox fans are all about. Like we went through that winter thinking like. If we get a chance to see our team, even though we disagree with the owner, the front office and all that stuff, we still have a passion for the team because we've been White Sox fans our whole lives. We're not leaving. And this ballpark's going to be filled today. I hope it's filled on Wednesday. hope it's filled on Thursday. Like, White Sox fans are ready just to celebrate. After last year, we're just ready to explode. And that weekend series in Houston to see a Mancata go off, to see Yasmani Grandal, B.B. Yasmani Grandal, and then Luis Robert back defensively. Like, his hitting could come around, but him being a premium defensive guy again like he was in 2020, I think that excites White Sox. And it excites me every single day that I see him because I hold him to that standard of an MVP. How long before Andrew Benintendi stands there with his arms crossed looking annoyed that Luis Roberts cutting in front of him, do you think? He better not. He better not. Hey, man, he didn't get there. That man was in right center field. He went 100 feet to get a ball. And Andrew Benintendi, most athletic thing I've ever seen. Like, he jumped over that man pretty much flat-footed and, like, would look back in amazement. Like, he caught it because I think everybody was watching. It's like, but then he didn't know. Yeah. yeah, like he caught, he, what? Yeah. Like, it, like it boggles the mind how good this guy is because you see this whole weekend before yesterday, the man at the bat, at the plate was like just lost. He's just really bad. At least he didn't allow that bad and the sliders and the sweepers to affect his defense because his defense is back to 2020 levels where last year it kind of waned off. He wasn't the elite player that he was starting this weekend. It's uh. It's very, very promising that these guys are playing the way that we all envision as White Sox fans that can play. Yeah, you know, and I think the other thing is it's so great to have a left fielder that I'm not worried about as that plays unfolding because Benintendi, like, he just jumps over him and he's in awe of him and he goes back laughing. He's like, I didn't hurt myself doing that. And if it was Aloy, who knows what happens? Oh, yeah, Aloy probably gets there and runs right into him before he makes the catch. Andrew Vaughn doesn't get there and it just looks like a nice sliding catch by Luis Robert. Uh, Andrew Andrew uh, Vaughn's still probably at the Crawford boxes level. But, yeah, it's a, it's a thing where you get actual Major League Baseball players playing their actual positions. I would have loved Jose Abreu to return, but that would have also created Andrew Vaughn in the outfield maybe again. And 
those days are over. That was just horrid. And I hope we don't see Aloy in the outfield too much because we all know how that goes. Because if that man stays in the field, we're good, but he gets injured often. Less, less exposure to injury for Aloy Jimenez because he's important to the actual hitting defense. I don't give a damn about him. Well, I still want Aloy. I want him only playing here where Roger Bosser can give him an area that he cuts the grass and says, this is your area, Aloy. This is like, like, it's like four by four. He's like, Aloy's area. He's like, don't move. It's like, he's like in right field. He's like, Aloy, don't move to your right at all. Just move to your left. If the ball's hit to your right, Luis has it or we'll kid it on the carom. Don't even worry about it. So, my, you know, my biggest concern is the bullpen. I think every White Sox fan feels that way. But looking at a positive, I loved in that last game against Houston in that series that they didn't stop scoring runs. They're like the kind of team over the last couple of years that scores their runs in the third inning and goes, okay, we're done. We got our third inning runs, and we're just going to hold these. And you can't do it with the bullpen, first of all. But secondly, they kept the pressure up. They had a couple of runs. They had two innings, eighth and ninth inning. They were putting on runs, and they needed them. Yeah, we saw that in the first three games where they scored the runs and they had enough runs against the Houston starters. And then when well, the first game, they got runs off of Presley in the ninth. But in the second and third games, they scored the runs off of the two starters, and then they just stopped scoring. They didn't put the foot down on the throat, as Tim and uh, Lucas Giolito were talking about a couple years ago. But that fourth game, they're like, hey, our bullpen's kind of shaky. Raylo's not right right now. We don't have Liam Hendricks. Put the foot down, and Yoel Moncada with that home run really helped out because Raylo came in, and he was wild as hell, walking people. Giving up rocket shots. We talk about the Luis Robert. Uh, he looks amped. Like Raylo looks like he's a closer, but he's so nervous about screwing it up. He's yeah. way overboard. It's like 100 miles per hour, and I think he's in his best role. I before the season said to to Sean, I was like, I like his stuff. His stuff is electric. It's great. It plays. But I don't want to be testing him out as the closer in his first attempt to be a closer. That was his first save the other day, like ever. Like it's a different thing. I don't think it should be a different thing because it's just. 20, what, 25, 26, and 27 outs. It shouldn't be that different. It doesn't matter like where the batting order is at, but it is different. And Raylo didn't perform in the two times he's been out there, but I would probably go to him maybe once again and see how he performs and then go to a more solid guy like Kendall Graveman. He's been there even though he hadn't had a lot of saves, but he was very successful in Seattle that one year and before he got traded to the Houston Astros. So well, it was Seattle's home ballpark. Yeah, I would yeah, exactly. Very cavernous and stuff. Yeah. I might be able to keep it in the ballpark there. Yeah, but Raylo's got filthy stuff. He's always profiled to me as a reliever. And so if he ever finds it out and doesn't walk people to start the inning, that's the big bugaboo the other day where he walked the first two guys. I think his stuff is electric, and it works for the White Sox. He can close out games until Liam Hendricks comes back, which I'm, my mind's blown. He might be coming back in May. Well, do you think Pedro's the kind of guy that's going to figure it out, or is he going to be like Tony and just put guys out there that have no business being in the positions that they're in? Like, how, how short do you think his leash is with people? I think it's pretty short. Like, we saw in the first game where Romy had a good hit in the first game, and then he had another at bat. And then when it was a time to have a right-hander in, he went to Oscar Colas immediately. He's like, okay, you did your job. Now it's time to play the matchups and be a little bit better. And I think he learned him from where he messed up earlier when he was doing the lefty-righty thing when he brought in Jake Diekman. I think most White Sox fans are like, I get it, lefty-lefty, but actually just bring in a better reliever instead of 
the lefty-lefty because Jake Diekman is not of the caliber of the rest of the people in the White Sox. Tanner Banks should be up here instead of Jake Diekman. You know, he actually had a good year last year. Jake Diekman's only on this roster, which I thought Lurie Garcia would only be on this roster because they're paying him money. That's it. Otherwise, he is not a good left-handed reliever at all. Like, he walks too many people. His stuff is garbage. I mean, the person's probably a good person, but he middle-middle fastball. Make it easier for Jordan Alvarez, please. So, here, before I let you go, because I know you're running all over the place, um, uh, we talked earlier on in this episode about the idea that if these starters are only going to go five innings, six at the most, that's a lot to ask for your bullpen because you're going to pull three to four guys out and hope they all pitch well, or you're going to have one inning where everything blows up. And and some of these guys have to start getting a little bit deeper. I mean, I know you want the strikeout, but keep your pitch count a little bit lower and contribute to the team that way. I'd like to have a few guys like that. Do you have a candidate that you think is going to turn into that as the season goes on, one or two of them? Do you think the starting staff can, can extend a little bit more? I'm like Everybody was worried about Dylan Cease and his walks and such from last year. I'm worried about Michael Kopech. He walked just as many people in fewer innings than what Dylan Cease did last year. I think he's the key to the White Sox starting rotation. If he can get, actually give you length, like six innings, pitch more to contact instead of trying to strike everybody out. We see Dylan Cease with the premium stuff, but last year when he needed it, he was extending himself into later games because he was get, letting people um, hit the ball to their defense. I think everybody feels that like uh lucas giolito he won he wasn't that great yesterday or two days ago he was more pitching to contact lance lynn too i think they all understand what is needed and not necessarily hey let me strike everybody out let's let's depend on our defense as they probably feel as confident as we do with the outfield now and the infield defense is much improved too with uh alvis andres uh, manning second base i think you got to see that hey hit the ball to the to your fielders get outs and let's go in bad because these guys are going to hit no matter what. Now can they turn them into runs? So confidence in the actual defense behind you and the offense that's going to be coming up after, I think that lends itself to actual better pitching from the starters. Herb Lawrence, uh, you, you've heard him a lot if you've been in Chicago over the years. Um, and then, you know, CHGO White Sox is is doing the great like everyday thing. You and I have had this conversation before. Like Sox in the basement kind of goes big picture, and you guys are looking at it day to day. And I think it's just kind of a like just what you're doing over there is great. And I really appreciate you know all the kindness, man, jumping on the show and the, and the kind words as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, Chris, Ed, I mean, what is what's better? You guys have a great show. It's awesome. I listen to it when I'm going to be heading to Pittsburgh with Chris Tannehill and Shane Reardon. We listen to Sox in the Basement every time. You guys have great guests and great conversations. We really appreciate you guys doing it every day. I'm not every day. Whenever you guys do it, we're listening. You get to the bar next time, okay? You you want to come see the nine foot homemade oak bar sometime? You're welcome. Oh my God! I mean, that is insane. Nothing but a word. I just went to Oak Lawn. Is is it close to Oak Lawn? Yeah, I'm right. I'm in Evergreen Park. I'm right there. All right. One of the best tap rooms beer halls, working breweries on the south side, is the official brewery of Sox in the Basement, Hailstorm Brewing. Two beers I recently tried there. One, I'm not sure if it's even on tap yet. I am not a pepper beer person. They made a hot pepper beer that wasn't too hot for me to say, I'll have a whole pint of that. But the Oaks, you gotta try the Oaks. 9% Imperial Brown Ale, it'll knock your socks off. Will Turner, the brewer over there, is always doing like 
really fun stuff. And that's what a brewery should be like. Great lunch specials now. You got to get in there. And there's a new brewery tour and beer tasting event up on their website right now, April the 27th. Check that out and everything that has to do with Hailstorm Brewing Company. 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, hailstormbrewing.com. All right, so we're sitting out here at Cork Gary at the Park, and I got uh, these two guys bought us a beer. So I'm, I'm going to put them on. Sound good? What's your name, man? Lauren. What's your name? Frank. Frank bought me the beer, didn't he? He did. So I want to talk to him first. Okay. So, Frank, first of all, thank you for the beer. And uh, sec- secondly, uh, what do you think about this team, this atmosphere out here at the ballpark? The atmosphere is great. Um, the team um, is still, uh, still a little bit of uh, judgment there. I, you know, I, I saw some shades of last year uh, on the, uh, the Astros uh, series, and... Yeah, uh, I love this. I love this. You're like, everything's great. I'm at opening day. I'm buying beers for people. But, I mean, it is the White Sox. You're such a White Sox fan. Happy opening day, Frank. I've been a White Sox fan since uh, 1960. You've seen some disappointment. Oh, I've seen a lot of disappointment. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My dad always points at what it was. It 67 was like just brutal they couldn't get a hit they were they had great pitching staff they were always they, but he was like we we should have won that year and we couldn't get hawk harrelson hawk harrelson went to the red sox instead of the white sox he yells about it all the time they all they, they always came in behind the yankees and the uh cleveland indians uh, that was uh that was my uh reality when i was growing up my, my belief is that this year it ends with the white sox winning the division and chanting f the guardians in, in like a response to last year, what do you think? I love that idea. Yeah. I'm going to take the half with, you know half glass full approach. I don't know. So far, I've seen better defense. It's not been like it's better than last year, right? You agree? It is. It is. Elvis Andros is an upgrade. Oscar Colas is an upgrade. There's all kinds of Andrew Benatendi jumped over Luis Robert. Like Eloy Jimenez would have run into him. They would have both been injured. Yeah, they would have definitely been sure. laying on the ground. Astros running all over the base baths. They're hitting home runs. Moncada looks alive. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. We have some bullpen issues, but they're going to get some help, I hope. Where are you sitting in the ballpark? Where are we? 100? 139. 139. Look at these guys. They're high rollers. They're in the lower level. You're going you're gonna to go try to find the new ballpark food, or do you just accept that you're never going to get it? It's just something you see on the Internet. Yeah, no, it's I, just on the Internet. That's, that's it. It's just on the Internet. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.